When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tears of Price, and we are recording this on July 28th. Hello, Erica. Hey, Tears how are you? I am well. You know, it's like just the hottest week of the year and I'm moving. Only that. So, yeah. Perfect. I'm, yeah, Perfect. it's good. And we're just, you know, we're we're staying positive. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. I'm sending all the positivity and all the AC vibes and cool weather. <laughs> your way. That is the worst thing ever. I'm so sorry. Thank you. But you'll make it through. I know you will. We will. Lord. We will we will make it through. We have AC, so that's good. And the place that we're moving to also has AC, so that is also Wonderful. good. We're we're going to survive. It's just yeah, lots of packing and lots of moving Ugh. stuff in a very hot truck. <laughs> oh my god. I will say and I know my opinion has nothing to do on your living situation, but I will miss the kittens. I will miss the kitten updates. Oh, I know. That is like the saddest thing about us moving is, yeah, yeah all of like the, the wild porch kitties that we adore. <gasps> and we've tried really hard to like, you know, get new homes for them and find and it's just really hard when we live in such a rural area and there's like you know the closest shelter is an hour away and they're telling us don't bring us cats because we have too many so but the good news is is my neighbors will continue to look after them because they share in you know the kitten you know responsibilities of feeding and watering and and looking after them so they are not being completely abandoned the kitten camaraderie you love to see it yes yeah, basically the entire text thread between me and my neighbor is just all kitten pictures. It's great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love uh, that. I don't. I think it was the latest cat slash kitten picture you shared was like mama cat and the three or four kittens, and it looks like they're like it's like a, a an album cover picture. <laughs> it's fabulous. And I think yes. I think your partner took it from under the porch or something like that under the something fence, very yeah. extra <laughs> yes it was very a, extra all of it yeah it's a very artsy angle i know they're so sweet and they've taken they're so cute yeah the kittens have taken to hanging out in the tree so we have a tree in our backyard <gasps> that they climb and then there has like kind of a flat area um where the yes. two you know trunks kind of go up and branch out and and they like to hang out right there it's so cute <laughs> That's so cute. Well, that's <laughs> that's all for kitten talk. Uh, <laughs> hey, YA kitten talk, which is we like basically always have kitten talk, but it's we not do. always recorded. <laughs> yeah. So this is just like 
kind of like our precursor to recording is talking about cats. Yes. So now we get to rec- we've recorded it this time. It's only difference. So that's great. <laughs> Yay. So I guess on to news, mm-hmm. which is if you are a Heartstopper fan, you are in luck because a season two trailer just dropped. It looks cute. Woo! I still haven't seen season one, though, so I need to get on that. I haven't seen season one either. Have you read the comics? No, I'm so bad. I, know, I haven't I know either. So I checked I've them out meaning one time. To. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably checked them out from the library like at least two or three times with like the best of intentions, but just haven't gotten yeah. around to them yet. It'll happen. It'll happen. And I know that they're so good and everybody loves them. And there's now going to be a fifth Heartstopper book coming out, I think, next year. So. <gasps> Nice. There's novellas. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, so yay for that. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, even Yeah. Even though I haven't seen it, I also am still excited because it looks super duper adorable. So that's fun. Another little piece of good news is there is a new app that gives access, free access to banned books, depending on your area. The Digital Public Library of America, or DPLA, has launched a new program called the Banned Book Club. Former President Barack Obama shouted them out on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. (laughs) And, And basically, if I understand it correctly, you go to... It's the bandbookclub.info and you can put in your location and it'll show you like books that are banned in your area. And then you can download the app and you can read those books for free, which is amazing, I think. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to click on the link and see what's been banned in my area. Yes. Oh. That's another good way to, like, an interesting way to use it. Even if you already can access banned books, is to see, like, okay, what's banned in my area, if you want to know. So, definitely yeah. interesting. Definitely check that out. There's going to be a link in the show notes, of course. Of course. And let's see. The next exciting bit of announcement type news is... Yeah, we were just talking about how hot it is. So if you want to escape the dog days of summer with perfect book recommendations, see what I did there. Just a little (laughs) pet humor. Um, Let tailored book recommendations pick out some awesome books um, for you. So, you know, you can basically just fill out a survey and then you sit back and relax and book people like very expert book people will pick out recommendations and there are plans for all types of budgets. So whether or not you just want an email with the recommendations or if you want us to actually send you the books, you can enjoy that. So you can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It just takes a few minutes to get started. And again, it's mytbr.co. And I think now we will hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, 
And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive even the help of Guillen Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at leebardugothefamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. So today is the return of an episode theme that we did. Oh, gosh, what I think it was like last summer that we did this. Did we? I don't even remember. We've done it before. I just can't remember when. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. But um, this is Backless Bonanza, where we recommend some backless books. Some of them are, you know, older than a year. Some of them are like deep cuts into the YA, you know, sphere. So... Yeah, we just kind of, you know, we spend so much time talking about new books that we want to take a moment to appreciate some backlist titles as well and shout about, you know, backlist books that we've been reading or backlist books that we love and haven't, you know, gotten a lot of attention as of late. Um, I don't know. How did you go about picking your four, Erica? I chose, all right, so basically I opened up my Goodreads and I looked at things, I looked at my read books and just looked at YA books that I've read through time. And I try to pick ones that I haven't talked about recently or at all on the show. I realize I haven't, like, since... I started recording the show. I've been reading more YA books and I've been loving it. But in years past, I didn't read as many. So I'm like, some of the ones from back in the day, they were a little more sparse. And also, I feel like the ones I read back then were not as diverse. So that's there's that too. Mm, yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, but basically just Goodreads. 
Yeah, and I, I know that, like, sometimes when I go back more than five years, I'm like, oh, wow, not as many diverse YA books as, you know, I read yeah. now. So it's nice to see that change. Yeah, I basically just sat here and I tried to think of any book that, like, did not come out this year that I loved mm-hmm. that I have don't think I've talked about on the show yet. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. um, I came up with a long list and then I decided to narrow it down strategically. So, yeah, that was that was how I did it mine. But it's fun either way. Question, do you use, I know you have a fabulous spreadsheet that you share with us each year. Do you use Goodreads or a like Storygraph or anything at all for any Mm -mm. kind of tracking? All right, you're like spreadsheet, like master. Yes, I feel you. Yeah, I I like the spreadsheet. It's private. I can, you know, put whatever I want on there. Like, I mean, I use Goodreads to like look up books and look up information about books. I don't really use it for the review feature because I don't know, like reviews, Uh reviews are so like, they're very much for readers. And what I have found over the years is that like the usefulness of reviews really depends on like what I need or what I want in any given time. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, I I mean, like I care about like what like people I know think about books Mm -hmm. and I care about like you know friends and recommendations and like people that like I interact with on a daily basis but like I really don't care but like random people who I've never met you know think about books occasionally I will like I mean not I don't say like I never care but like you know occasionally I will go like look up a book and look at like the Goodreads reviews to kind of get like a sense for like what people are saying about it but like if I want to read a book like I don't read Goodreads reviews like I'm no I'm like I already want to read it why would I read these Goodreads reviews like I'll just form my own opinion so yeah I try to stay off of Goodreads as much as possible for my mental health as well as an author like I I have on the occasion stumbled upon some things on Goodreads that I wish I hadn't seen so Mm. I I do technically have an account, like an author account, but yeah, I don't use it a ton for that reason as well. That makes sense. Definitely an interesting, I didn't think of the uh, author angle, but that makes sense. Yeah, for me, I like reading certain, sometimes like there are spoilers in the reviews, so that can be annoying, but I, I like compare books with people. Like, so then Like if we have a similar taste in books, I will use their recommendations to add books to my list. Funnily enough, how I found out about Book Riot was through Rincey Reads. Oh, Rincey. Yeah, and um, her tastes align with mine very well. And so I followed her reviews and I was like, if she likes it, I'm probably going to like it. But yeah, that's how. I I will say one last note on Goodreads. And I feel like I've seen this discussed in in our, um, you know, book riot conversations with each other. Sometimes it's weird what people choose to focus on for reviews, like what will make them not like a book, like, oh, they didn't like a character or something. And it's like, okay, well, but how is that? I don't know. How how people judge things is interesting, I guess. Like, if they feel like a character is, like, a bad person, sometimes they feel like the author is endorsing that character's behavior, yeah. that type of thing. And then it's also, like, if if someone says something problematic or, you know, you know, racist, sexist, whatever, it's like, oh, is the author, you know, condoning that? And it's like, no, it's like, bad people exist in the world. Anyway, so... Uh, the uh, some of the comprehension stuff is interesting 
I will say. But yes, enough about Goodreads. Thank you for humoring me. I didn't mean to make it a Goodreads episode. I was just curious. No, you're good. No, it's just, and this is the, like, I think this kind of gets into the, like, why I don't use Goodreads, which is that yeah. like, people use it in their own specific ways. Right. And it's just not, like, how I would want to use it or how I want to, like, interact about books. So, like, I just choose to stay away. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I feel you on that 100%. Yeah. Well, do you want to kick us off with your first book? Yes. So my first book is The Golden Day by Ursula Dubosarsky. So this book takes place in Sydney, Australia in 1967 during the Vietnam War and has a sort of like dreamy quality to it because of the prose. I really love the writing and the word choice and how everything flows writing wise. But like this prettiness and this like airiness in the writing, it's like paralleled by ideas around death and capital punishment and war and stuff like that. And this analogy kind of starts early. I mean, it's a short book, but uh, still, the, the juxtaposition of that airy, dreamy quality and, like, death and destruction starts early. The first page talks about ghosts before we're introduced to the characters who are these schoolgirls and their teacher, the eccentric Miss Renshaw, who tells them they're going to go into the garden and think about death because a man was hanged that day. So... In the garden, they meet a man who is a gardener and a poet. His name is Morgan. Well, then Morgan and Miss Renshaw and the girls go on this unplanned trip to a cave to see paintings that were done by um, Aboriginal people. But then something funky happens. Miss Renshaw and Morgan are gone, disappeared into thin air once the girls come back from the cave. And no one is sure what happened to them. And that is like the mystery that is at the heart of the book. No one really knows what happened that day, what each of the girls saw. There's a lot of ambiguity. There's also this really well done sense of like underlying creepiness. And it feels like, I don't know, I feel like this book should be added to like school reading and stuff like that, or at least highly suggested. I just think it's like very beautifully written and just kind of like stays with you. Yes. Have you read it? Yes. It's been a few years, so not any time lately, but yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And the setting too, like I have not read many books set in Australia, uh, certainly not one set during the Vietnam War and the 60s and stuff like that. So the setting is very interesting. But yes, definitely recommend. Again, that is The Golden Day by Ursula Dubasarsky. Awesome. Um, so my first pick is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. And I read this book, it came out last year, but I read it um, earlier this year. And oh my gosh, I loved it so much. I blew through it in like a day because that's just, you know, how fantastic and and hilarious it is. So Mm -hmm. it is about a girl, her name is Emily, and she is, you know, excited for Valentine's Day. 
And so she's going to tell her boyfriend that she loves him for the first time. She's looking forward to a romantic day, all the fun stuff. And so she wakes up and like immediately her day is like terrible, like just things going wrong. And from like, you know, not getting to the bathroom in time for hot water for her shower to actually getting into a fender bender on the way to school. And then she finds out that she actually didn't get the scholarship that she thought she was going to get in a really awful way. And she also um, tops it off with discovering her boyfriend making out with his ex. And ah. so, yeah, yeah, it's a really bad day. It's, it's not, a, not a good day to be Emily. And she's so upset and so frustrated. Instead of going home, she goes and she crashes at her grandma's house because her grandma is cool and gets it. And um, when she wakes up the next morning, she's strangely back in her own bed. Mm. And it is Valentine's Day yet again. So... This is a Groundhog Day type book. She's caught in a time loop and she just keeps having like all the terrible things happen to her. But now she knows that they're going to happen to her so she can try to do something about it. But then when she tries to do stuff about it, it doesn't always end up the way she expects. So then she decides, well, F it. And she throws all of it out the window. And what ensues is just a hilarious romp as she learns to let loose and let go of like the tight control that she has on everything and, and everyone in her life. And um, she might even find her, her Valentine's Day romance after all. So it's so funny. And <laughs> the characters are so well done and realistic. And like I said, I tore through this book in I think it was like a day, day and a half. I, I could not put it down. You know, you know that you're reading a really good book when you like go to work and you're like, dang it, I wish I could just like I wish sing. I could read. I wish I could just like sing my book out and read. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, maybe that you could have gotten away with that in high school, but you know, yeah. probably can't when you're, you know, in your 30s and you have maybe a job, not. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> But I did, I remember, I don't usually read on my lunch break, but I was like, I'm going to take a lunch break for real this time, and I'm going to read at least 20 pages. Um, mm. So th that's how good this book is. So that is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. That sounds like so much fun. I am adding that. I feel like you've, you've definitely mentioned that before, and I think I've already added it, but let me just bump it up on the yeah. list. Yes. So before we get into my next pick, we're going to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international bestselling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon-worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today, and it's the fifth book in the series, so make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my next book is a manga by Tatsuki Fujimoto, um, who is the same manga artist who wrote Chainsaw Man. And this book, I believe, came out in 2021. I forgot to say when the other book came out, but this is not like a way back backlist, but it's still backlist. So I know I've mentioned Chainsaw Man uh, on here before. It's a popular manga that got adapted into an anime recently, so... It's real trippy. If you like some weird stuff, check that out. This one is such a tonal difference from Chainsaw Man, though. This kind of manga is called a one-shot, which means that the entire story is contained within this one volume. If you read manga regularly, you know that many times there can be uh, many volumes to a story. So it's about Fujino, who draws manga for her class paper, and Kyomoto, a girl who is the same age, but who is a shut-in. So, well, Fujino feels pretty good about her art skills and even gets complimented and stuff like that. Like, she's really feeling herself. She's like, oh, you know, I'm that girl when it comes to manga. Like, who can touch me? But one day, this girl, Kyomoto, sends her art in for the paper and everyone is blown away. Like, Fujino was like, ooh, that looks uh really good. And so she basically makes Fujino's art look kind of like maybe a little childish, amateurish, amateurish, I guess. I'm like trying to get that word out. I, I hope I said that correctly. My my words aren't wording right now. But yes, she is just really talented. And this makes Fujino a teensy bit salty, but it also drives her to improve. And she ends up meeting Kyomoto and the two form an interesting relationship, a platonic relationship. They're friends. And it's interesting because... Again, Fujina was like kind of salty, kind of like, who is this girl? But then she finds out Kyomoto was actually like actually admired her. So that's cool. So they're opposites in terms of personality and stuff like that. But they are still both aspiring manga artists. And the two essentially grow up together. And so does their art. So they they also end up working on a manga together. But then something happens when they get older. If you read this, you will feel pretty devastated by it. So, yes, I like Fujimoto's art style. Um, I feel like his style is a bit different from what you usually see with manga and anime. And this is one of those stories that is more 
quiet and subdued, especially considering the kind of manga, like, if you've heard me recommend manga before, especially considering the kind of manga I usually mention. And I think the kind of manga and anime that is typically uh, popular in the U.S., but it's also one that is very sad. So if you're in a sad kind of mood and you just want to like be in your feelings and be like, a little, you know, a little sad, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we have our moments. Um, this is for you. So again, this is Look Back by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Awesome. That sounds great. Um, my next pick is The Cheerleaders by Kara Thomas. And this is a backlist book that has actually been on my radar for a long time. I had not picked it up until recently and I started listening to the audiobook. So it is about Monica and Monica lives in a town in New York that has a dark past, um, one that evolves her directly. So hmm. five years before the start of the book, her older sister and four of her friends, they were all on the cheerleading squad in their high school. They all died. And they died in, like, really tragic and awful ways. So two of the girls were in a car driving somewhere late at night. It was raining. They, you know, drove off the road. They were in a horrible accident. They died in the accident. A few weeks later, two of the girls were at a sleepover at one of the girls' houses. And, like, nobody else was home. And when their parents arrived the next day to pick up one of the girls, they discovered that the two had been murdered by a neighbor. And they don't really know why the neighbor murdered the girls, because as the police were trying to apprehend him, they shot him before they could question him. And he died. And then um, the final girl was Monica's older sister, Jen, and she took her own life. And... Monica, this has never sat well with Monica. Uh, Monica understands that, like, you know, what her sister went through was really traumatic, like losing four of her best friends in the space of a few weeks. But she's not convinced that her sister would have necessarily um, taken her own life. And so she's kind of dealing with that. But, like, it's been five years since all of this has happened. And now um, Monica is on the dance team. They disbanded the cheerleading squad because nobody wanted that horrible reminder about, about what happened to the girls. And it's her junior year of high school school. But Monica is not necessarily in the best of places at the moment. She, at the beginning of the book, just before the book starts, um, has an abortion. She's kind of dealing with like, you know, the fallout, both physical and mental and emotional of that. And she, you know, doesn't have like, the greatest relationship with her mom. And she is scrounging around one day looking for pain pills in her stepfather's office when she discovers that there's these weird letters that arrive every year on her sister's um, death anniversary. And she, they seem to like, you know, indicate that like there's more to the deaths and there's more to the story than what Monica knows. And that and a few other things start adding up and she begins to get suspicious or she, you know, it reignites her suspicion that her sister wouldn't have just killed herself. So she starts to look into it and it's kind of dark and it's, you know, a little bit of a heavier mystery read, but it's very intriguing, especially like the idea of like five teenagers 
dying in really tragic ways and, you know, three different methods over the course of a few weeks. Like, what is that all about? So that's The Cheerleaders by Kara Thomas. Um, I'm reading it on audio right now. I'm about three quarters of the way through. It's really interesting. I'm super hooked. I can't wait to see where it goes. That sounds really interesting. You always have the best, like, thriller slash mystery recommendations, which makes sense considering <laughs> your books. <laughs> but that I'm just like, okay, and then what happened? Okay, the letters? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, are you serious? That is a mess. Yeah. I like messy things. But, yeah, that is a hot mess. It kind of starts, like, as a slow burn. But, yeah, it's yeah. – you get really into it at one point. So yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, I need to add that like ASAP. Okay, so the next one I have to mention is East by Edith Patu. And so I am taking it like way all the way, <laughs> way back with this one. I, I hear you giggle. Did you are you familiar with this book? I I'm trying to remember when I read this. I know that I have read it, but it's been so long. That I don't have, like, a lot of clear memories of it. Like, I have, like, yeah. little things that I remember about this book. But I want to tell you that I might have even been in middle school when I read this book. Because, it, yeah, it's an older one. I feel like I may have as well. But the gag is I remember a lot of it. And, like, when I was looking at, nah, maybe I wasn't in middle school, probably high school. Um, because it's on my Goodreads and I, like, didn't have Goodreads in middle school. But, like... As I started, like when I was looking through my Goodreads, as we mentioned at the top of, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, to find books to mention here, I was like, oh, that one, okay. And as I started like refamiliarizing myself with the story, I'm like, oh, I remember kind of like a lot of this. Like I remember how I felt when I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe because at the p- time, Well, one, because it's really good. But also, I think at the time that I read it, I hadn't read as many fantasy books um, just because I was young. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those fantasy books that like, I feel like once I read it, it cemented in my mind and I kind of compared other fantasy books to it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Or at least ones with like a similar structure, like which is like kind of like romantic fantasy adventure ish. So, um, and I realized that I really love that subgenre or those tropes or whatever. For fantasy, I don't really need like a romance. I don't mind it, but I appreciate also when there isn't a romance, you know, just to switch things mm-hmm. up. But when there is, my favorite is like, you know, when they go on an adventure and they're bonding and they're escaping death and all that, and then they love each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. But yeah, I, I guess I'm a slow burn girl. What, like, how do you, like, what? What kind of, uh, like, romantic fantasy do you like? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, you know, they... Ha- like, I'm a good, you know, enemies to lovers, love a good book mm. that goes yes. there. Yes. Especially, or not even, like, necessarily enemies, but when you have, like, two fantasy characters that are kind of, like, you know, set against each other, set up to... Butting heads. Yeah, butting heads or... You know, a book that, and I mentioned this on the last um, extra credit episode, one book that I actually just read was the Graceling graphic novel mm. adaptation. Did you ever read Graceling? I never read Graceling, but oh. it's been on my list forever. And I remember the graphic novel adaptation coming out, too. Yeah, I read the the graphic novel, and it made me want to go back and read Graceling, the novel, mm-hmm. again. And, like, so sort of, you know, th- that's kind of similar to 
I think the setup, if I'm remembering correctly, of East, where it's like, you know, the the love interest is kind of mysterious and, and you don't yes. know a lot about them. And then you're kind yes. of like learning more and follow. Yeah. I just looked it up and East came out in 2003. 2003. Yes. Yes. I'm just so. like, this is the most way back, way back thing I probably will ever mention. I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. Literally 20 years ago. I know. You can't say we don't switch it up on Hey YA. <laughs> we do. <laughs> you can't say that. Yes. We, we switch it up. Okay. Oh, you're making me want to go find a copy of this and, and read it because I've yes. been, I probably read it. I mean, yeah, I probably read it within the first few years it came out because I want to tell you that I was either, if not middle school, then like young high school, like maybe freshman, sophomore. It's been a while. Same. I read it. I know, like I said, it's on my Goodreads and I didn't really start recording Goodreads stuff until I was like early mid high school because then like middle school stuff I didn't really remember everything that I read so like if I read it in high school it's probably on goodreads and when I was refamiliarizing myself with the story again like I said I'm like oh I want to read this again what um cuz again like I said I I'm like yes I remember that yes I remember that and a lot of books even like some books I read now I remember even if I like them, I won't remember details. But this mm-hmm. one, I remember details like 15 years later. So, but okay. So what happens in the book? Let's say, so we've been gushing about it. But basically, it is a sort of like retelling of a Scandinavian folktale. And in it, there is this old belief that personalities and things are determined by whether a baby is a Northborn or Eastborn baby, etc., so kind of like astrology a little bit. So Nima Rose is a Northborn baby, which are rumored, they are rumored to be these kind of like wild, carefree, adventurous, and very intelligent kids. They are destined to like break their mother's hearts by like adventuring and going away and all those things. So in other words, I guess Rose is a Sagittarius if you follow astrology. LOL. (laughs) But yes, (laughs) her mom does not want her to be. She wants to keep her, you know, near to her, you know, safe and all those things. So she tells Rose that she's actually an Eastborn baby. But then fate is like, um, no girl, she's a Northborn. Get it right. And so like one day a huge white bear appears as huge white bears are off to do. And this bear promises the family's fortune will change for the better if Rose goes with him. Um, and I should mention they are a um, poor family in Norway. So she does. And then she finds out the bear is actually a human prince with an enchantment. So then also there's a messy troll queen, sea captain, other really interesting characters. And yeah, like all the best romantic fantasy adventure things. Listen, it's 500 pages and you will, I feel like you'll breeze through it because I still remember this so many years later. It's basically like Beauty and the Beast, but make it icy plus Scandinavian folktales. So check it out. Yes. (laughs) East by Edith Patu. Oh, yeah, I love that book. And and mm-hmm. as you were talking about it, like more and more details were starting to come back to me. And I was like, yes, I'm definitely gonna have to have to go and read that. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, wait, I need to reread this I, with all the other books on my TBR. I need to read this 500 page book. Yeah, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it will be. Absolutely. 
All right. So my next pick is um, The Obsession by Jessie Q. Sutanto. And Jessie Q. Sutanto has like, I don't know, she has a ton of books out now. She's just been Mm -hmm. like on a roll. Very prolific. Probably her most popular, most famous books are um, Dial A for Aunties and Vera Wong, that um, series, which is, they're adult mysteries. Mm -hmm. But this is actually her debut novel, throwing it back to 2021 here. And it is kind of a psychological thriller. So it's um, told from two perspectives, Logan and Delilah. And Logan is in love with Delilah. Like, he's certain, like, they are meant to be. They they are totally, like, you know, like, soulmates. Um, the only problem is um, Delilah doesn't even know who Logan is, and she doesn't know this yet. But Logan's not too concerned because he's got a plan. And his plan involves, you know, basically just stalking her and looking for the right moment to, like, you know, slide in there and be like, hey, and then um, ask her out. Um, which, you know, by the way, Logan's a total creep. Like, that's not supposed to. I was to, about to say. Yeah. It wasn't giving what I wanted it to give. I was like, mm. Yeah. No, if this is like squicking you out like good it should um, yeah i'm <laughs> so, um delilah on the other hand yeah like she's completely oblivious she has no idea who logan is and she's got a lot going on in her life she um her mom has um got this boyfriend who's horribly abusive and awful oh. and um yeah he's like you know emotionally and verbally abusive sometimes physically and she like is so stressed all the time because of him and because of the way he acts. And um, especially because, you know, Delilah knows that her mom is strong and smart and, you know, can stand on her own, but for whatever reason, like he's just got this hold on her. And one day her, her mom's boyfriend's being especially awful and they're out in the garage and he's, you know, just really being horrible to Delilah. And she snaps. Mm. And she, like, he's he's working on a car and he's got the car jacked up. And she just, like, kicks the jack out from underneath the car. Ooh! Ah! And then she's like, oh, oh my god, shoot. Because... Oh, my god, Yeah, the car falls on him and, and he's totally dead. Like, completely, totally squished. But she's lucky in that it looks like an accident. And she just pretends that, you know, she was in the house (laughs) and came out. And, you know, so she calls the police and they go through this whole thing. But the thing is, is before she can even say, like, oh, I did this, like, everybody just assumes that it was an accident. And then she's not going to speak up. And then, like, in the, you know, the days and the weeks that follow, her, her mom is, like, coming back to herself and is like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm like, it's too bad he died. But, like... I'm happy that we're not out from, you know, we're out from underneath his thumb. And and mm-hmm. she's feeling, like, content. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is how our lives are supposed to be. So she's guilty, but she's, like, not that guilty, you mm-hmm. know? Except for, oh, the cute guy who just asked her out. On, um, like, the second or third date, he lets it slip that he has video recordings <gasps> of her doing that. Because, remember, oh. he's got her under surveillance. Oh, my and God. And so, yeah, Delilah goes Ew. from, like, yeah, living under the thumb of one abuser to another. And, you know, this time she's not going to um, let Logan, um, you know, push her around. And, and essentially, even though she looks meek. And the first time was an accident. Like she, she's proven that she will not live under 
you know, somebody's abusive control. And so what ensues is this very much like tense cat and mouse chase game of like, who's going to come out on top. And it's a battle of the wills as much as it is like, you know, some intricate plotting. If you like books like How to Get Away with Murder, um, like mm-hmm. the TV show, or you like stuff that's like about bad people doing bad things and, you know, good people in really bad situations, um, The Obsession by Jesse Q. Satanto, really excellent. Um, it kept me guessing right until the end. That is spicy. See, again, my comment holds. You get <laughs> those thrillers that you recommend. I'm just like, what? She kicked it. Oh, my God. That sounds really good. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so the last book I have to mention today is Surviving the City by Tasha Spillett, illustrated by Natasha Donovan and Donovan Yasiuk. This is another comic. It follows teen girls living in Canada. So Mikwan and Dez are super close in both part of First Nations. Mikwan is Ashinabi, while Dez is Ininu. They're such good friends that they completed the traditional berry fast together and did a project on it. Okay, but one day, Dez learns that her grandmother, or Kokum, may have to have her foot removed because of diabetes, which would mean Dez going to a group home because she lives with her grandmother. Because of this, she runs away to a park. When she sees the social worker visiting her grandmother and talking about the situation and everything like that, she's like, all right, this lady is here talking to my grandmother. I'm not about to go, you know, get separated from her um, and stuff like that. So she goes to a park and she's just like, you know, pressed, stressed. And then her cell phone dies. And so she spends the night in the park. Meanwhile, like while she's gone and like scared to come back, she's like, what if the social worker is there? You know, her cell phone's dead, so she can't ask anyone if the lady is still there. You know, in her mind, she's like, you know, my my granny is, you know, can't take care of me, so they're going to take me away. So she's like staying away from home. So her grandmother and Mikwan, her friend, are super worried about where she is and stuff like that. So um, this is a pretty short comic Language-wise, I think it's geared towards the younger end of YA, and it does a really good job of sharing aspects of Indigenous culture as well as the history of residential schools and missing Indigenous women in North America, especially Canada. I liked how it showed, like I said, how it incorporated, like, there were, like, these, like, spirits, and some were benevolent, and some were, some were not, And I like how it intertwined the indigenous culture with the reality of so many missing indigenous women in North America. And again, like I said, it's only 56 pages and I feel like it did that really well. Um, Color palette is really nice. It's very rich, um, very rich tones. Um, So yeah, again, that's Surviving the City by Tasha Spillett, illustrated by Natasha Donovan and Donovan Yasyuk. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. My final pick is, okay, have you ever seen Gilmore Girls? A long time ago. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched Gilmore Girls, but I mean, it was on air when I was in middle school and high school. So obviously, big affection for that show. Mm-hmm. This book is basically like if you ever 
shipped Rory and Paris together, then um, this is this is the book for you. So it is about Sana and Rachel, and they live in Los Angeles, and they um, do not really like each other. So Sana asked Rachel out um, their freshman year, um, but Rachel was like, why is this beautiful cheerleader asking me out? Like, I'm deeply suspicious of this situation. And she was basically like, you're only asking me out because you want to try to humiliate me in some way. Like, I've seen Carrie, like, go away. Um, and so since then, they've always hated each other. And um, Sana makes a point to, you know, steer clear of Rachel. Um, Rachel wants to go into film school. And as they are um, about ready to graduate, Rachel is like one credit short of a credit that she needs to graduate. And the only way that she can get this credit is if she agrees to... Um, you know, like work with Sana on their last um, project. And so now they are thrust together and they have to work things out. And it's, it's, you know, not going super well until she learns that like, maybe there's more to Sana than she thought. And Sana realizes that Rachel doesn't really hate her. Rachel's, you know, very sensitive and a little insecure. And as they um, get to know each other, they start to fall for one another. Um, So Sana has like very much like a Rory Gilmore sort of like life set up where like she's being raised by a single mom and her single moms look really cool and laid back. But then she's got like these wealthy grandparents who, you know, try to be a little bit more controlling in their lives. And there's, you know, if you're a big fan of like Gilmore Girls, especially like seasons one and two, like there are some, you know, aspects and elements of the plots from those first two seasons that get reimagined in this book in a really fun way. Um, So I feel like, you know, it's a great book if you don't like Gilmore Girls or you don't know Gilmore Girls because it definitely stands on its own. But I read this book and I was like, this reads like Gilmore Girls fan fiction in the best way possible. Um, And that one came out a few years ago and I really, really enjoyed it. So that is Tell Me How You Really Feel by Amina May Safi. Nice. Sounds really good. It's fun. Yeah, especially if you just want like a queer, fun romance. Yeah. Sounds cute. Yeah. So up next, you and I are both going to be reading A Song of Salvation by Alicia Dow. Yes, I'm very excited. Although I will say the time has flown. I thought it was going to be a couple more episodes from now, but I'm still excited. What is time? It's going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm excited. Definitely. I I downloaded the audiobook because like all of my life is getting packed up in boxes right now. And I was yeah. like, I can't keep track of a physical book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I downloaded the audiobook. So I'm going to start listening to that here really soon. And we are going to be talking all about it on our next episode. So if you want to, you know, pick up a copy as well and read along with us so you can follow along, that would be awesome. Yes, that's going to be so much fun. Our book club episodes are always a lot of fun, I feel. So, I yeah, I have fun. Looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. You can always leave us feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It lets us know how we're doing, but it also helps others to find us. And if you want to email us directly, you can do so at heyya at bookriot.com. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, all things bookish, and visit mytbr.co for um, tailored book recommendations. Thank you again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thank you so much to our amazing audio editor, Jen Zink, for making us sound great. 
You can follow me on Instagram and I guess Twitter slash X slash whatever Mm. the heck that Mm. thing is. I'm still on there mostly because I'm too busy to delete my account. But yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm at Tears of Price. Yes. (laughs) And I'm on threads now too. If you're on threads, I don't, I'm not sure what we're doing with social media these days, but you can always find me on Instagram at least. You are accessible and that's all that matters. You are on the grams, the threads, the X, whatever. I am also on Twitter slash X at Erica underscore EZE underscore. Awesome. Well, yes, we'd love to connect with you wherever you might be able to find us. Yes, please. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. Well, then um, we will talk to you again in two weeks. Uh, Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.